Matthew chapter 19 from verse 16 onwards. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Please pray this prayer after me. Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Lord, open my mind to receive your truth. Lord, open my heart to keep your truth. Let me be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. Let me bring forth much fruit to the praise and glory of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak, Lord. I will listen and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read it. Matthew 19, from verse 16 onwards. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Who is that he? Jesus said to who? The rich young ruler. Why do you call me good? The one... Let me just go <coughs> again. One man came and he's asking a question to Jesus. And I want to focus on the question before the answer is given by Jesus. So we're going to go back to 16 again. One person, one human being came to Jesus and he is asking Christ something. And in his question, he is claiming or calling Jesus Christ to be good. And he's saying, good teacher. So he's coming to learn something from Jesus. He wants the answer from Jesus. And he says, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Basically, he's asking Jesus this. What should I do? What does God want me to do if I need to go to heaven? That's the question. In order to go to heaven, what must I do? So, because he had two things containing in that one question, Jesus is addressing both the matters of that question. Now, the first thing is he's calling Christ good. Good teacher. What good thing should I do to inherit eternal life? So, he's calling Jesus good and he's asking, how can I be good? What should I do to be good? In order to get to heaven. So one thing we need to know here is, from his question, he knew that you need to be good in order to go to heaven. And he also knew that this teacher is not any ordinary teacher. He's a good teacher. So he has some information. And then he has a question. So with these two, he's coming to Jesus. And now let's read verse 17. So he said to him, why do you call me good? It's um, interesting to see how Jesus now answers him with a question. He says, why do you call me good? 
Why? Because Jesus knew that. He knew who he was talking to. And he said, No one is good but one. That is God. So if you're calling me good, that means you know that Jesus Christ is God. That he is to be worshipped because only God is good. So, this man knew who he was coming to, looking for answers. He could have gone to a rabbi, but he's coming to the good teacher, the teacher who is God in flesh. So Jesus addresses that to let him know he knows that this man knows who Jesus is. Now then you go to the second part, he says, but if you want to enter into life, so now I'm answering your question, because I want you to know that I know what you know. Now, for me to answer what you don't know, here is the answer. So he says, if you want to enter into eternal life, keep the commandments. This is very, very important, very contrary to what we have heard during the last maybe 25 years, so to speak, since I've been in this country. Very contrary to what we hear on radios and sermons preached everywhere. No one can be good. No one can keep the commandments. The commandments were simply given to show you that you can't heap it. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Remember that. Those are false teachers, no matter who they are. We must understand those are false teachers who spread cancer, spiritual cancer everywhere. You know how this false teaching is a weapon of Satan for mass destruction? Not amongst unbelievers, but among those who claim themselves to be Christians. We must understand that we need to know the truth. Only the truth can set us free. God never gave the commandments to show people that they can't keep it. No, God gave the commandments because He knew that they can keep it and He expected them to keep it. And that's why we have Deuteronomy chapter 28. When someone says, oh, you can't keep it, God gave this, to show you that you can't keep it. At that point, it's Lucifer speaking through that person. Doesn't matter if it's Charles Stanley. Doesn't matter if it's John MacArthur. Doesn't matter if it's Chuck Swindoll. May God have mercy. Doesn't matter if someone has billions of money and they can have a radio program, television program. Doesn't matter. God have mercy on this nation. Anytime you pervert the gospel and you slaughter the people of God and send them into captivity... That they become captives of Satan in the name of Christ. May God have mercy. This is the first time in my entire life the Spirit of God has called me to mention names of false teachers. I've never done that. We have to understand that God is against those who claim themselves to be Ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wolves in sheep's clothing. People who stand by the door 
to say that this is not the way, go somewhere else. Leading them all into the path of destruction, which is the broad way. May God have mercy on this nation that has corrupted many innocent nations around the world where people are drinking sewer as water. And many don't know the difference between right hand and left hand because they didn't care to know. Instead of reading their Bibles, they're listening to these false teachers. They don't know scripture, but they have quotations from false teachers. May God have mercy on this nation. May God have mercy. The truth may prevail. So quick people are to support liars and lying ministries. Fund them to spread the lies. Don't even know what they're giving, where they're giving, where it's going. How will God bless us? And yet we expect God to bless us. Please let God have mercy upon this nation. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments, my Lord Jesus said. What is he saying here? He's saying the very same thing God the Father said all through the Old Testament. Nothing new. He's repeating because he was the voice of God the Father in his generation while he was on the face of the earth. Be very careful. Because we are in the day and age where People come to subvert the truth. Because if the truth is not there, everybody will be in chains. Going to Christian concert, Christian church, taking communion, partaking of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, not knowing why they have disease in their bodies. Because they partook of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Don't even know the scriptures. Most people don't even know the scriptures. What the Bible says. Because they're full of books. They have so many books. Yet, don't know what God said. What a pity. What a pity. What a pity. We have so many rehab centers. So little fruit. Where people go into rehab centers, come out worse than the time they went in. Because now you know more scriptures. And you can live in sin. Boldly sin. Because you know some scriptures... What a tragedy. Because Christ says this. You'll be beaten with more stripes, remember. If more has been given to you. We have to be sincere in our hearts. We need to be faithful to our God. We cannot play harlot in the church. The church of Christ is called to be a pure and spotless bride. Not to play harlot. God says he will spew such people and such churches out. Because it's a stench to God. Now what is God speaking to us here? If you want to go to heaven, keep the commandments. Underline this. Highlight this. Write this. If you want to keep it right in front of you, keep it somewhere where you can see. If you want to go to heaven, it's not that, Oh Lord Jesus, come into my heart and that's it. And I'm a saved sinner now. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. There's no place for any sinner in heaven, by the way. Every person in heaven is a saint washed by the blood of Jesus and they've washed their robes in the blood. 
and who have kept their testimonies, and who have not denied their faith, proven to be worthy to enter into heaven. As someone says, nobody is worthy to enter into heaven. Oh, may God have mercy. Worms will come out of their mouths during the last day when they stand before God and burn in hell for all the lies they have sent out to deceive the innocent people. To take the sheep to the slaughterhouse, these are thieves coming in the name of Christ. May God have mercy. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. That's step number one. Always remember, if you want to go to heaven, no matter who you are, no matter how long you might have been in church, no matter how much you might have been tithing, no matter what position you may have anywhere, you cannot go to heaven if you don't keep the commandments of God. So be mindful of that and make sure you're keeping the commandments of God. If someone says, well, I can't keep the Ten Commandments, know that you're going straight to hell, no matter who you are. Pastor, preacher, layman, doesn't matter. Born Christian, converted Christian, whatever Christian you are, doesn't matter. Heaven does not recognize whether you're a Christian or not. Heaven will recognize whether you lived out the word of God, whether you have the blood of Jesus and you did not trample the blood of Jesus, that you obeyed the word of God. Those are the ones heaven will recognize and let them in. Now, so you must keep the commandments. Next, we see a question here. He said to him, which ones? <laughs> well, did God ever give commandments saying that pick and choose some of them and as long as you keep two out of ten, then you will go to heaven or five out of ten or seven out of ten, nine out of ten? No. All ten commandments are very important. If you say, that, well, ten commandments for only for people in the Old Testament, I'm under the new covenant, I don't need it. Well, my Jesus didn't say that. News for you. His word very clearly says, keep the commandments. And now my Lord opens his mouth to say, the commandments that need to be kept is from the Ten Commandments. Not something that you say, well, Jesus kept it so I don't have to keep it. Jesus says, if you need to go to heaven, you better do it. Don't gamble with your life. Don't gamble with your future. Don't gamble with your eternity. If you want to go to heaven, do what Jesus said. Not any priest not any tele-evangelist or a famous author. God have mercy on all those famous authors who made money, millions out of the gullible who didn't care to read the word of God. Like I tell people, before you eat your food, read your labels. You know, there are some people who have told me, well, if you look at the front of a packet, it says, this contains fruit. This contains natural ingredients. And so, what did they do? They did not read the ingredients at the back. You know what I tell? Well, anytime you see like that, you can really get the clue that you have artificial ingredients in it. You have other things in it. Unless it says, made with all fruit, only fruit and has no artificial ingredients or artificial color, whatever it is. Unless it's spelled out, it's a deception. You have 10% of fruit and 90% of junk in it. Care to read the label, what you're putting inside your body. Made with 
fruit juice. People think that, oh, that means it doesn't have sugar. Oh, it has juice. Read the ingredients. Does it have sugar in it? Some people know sugar. They don't know. High fructose, high corn syrup. Fructose corn syrup equals sugar. Molasses equals sugar. People don't know. They don't care. If it says this, what does it mean? You need to look it up if you care about your health, what you put in your body. It's important to you. You want to live long? You want to live without disease? You don't want to be a burden for others? Take care of your body while you have energy and strength and wisdom too. Then you won't be dependent on others. Let me tell you, even the people who say they love you, human beings will get tired. You don't want to be a burden to anyone. The blessed life to live on earth is to live for God, live with the energy and strength God has given, not be a burden to someone, go when God calls you. In order for that to happen, you need to take care of your body, not be lazy. Sometimes some people know that certain things may have, so they don't read the ingredients. Well, you can look good and maybe even play innocent in front of other people, but you're doing damage to your body. So what you put into it, you're responsible. Nobody should be policing you. Nobody needs to police you if you care about yourself. Same thing translate, translates into your soul, taking care of your soul. God has already said these things. You want to get to heaven, you do what you need to do. Nobody needs to force you into that. Nobody needs to plead with you. Oh, please do this. No. That's the mercy of God if somebody's pleading with you. But it's for you. You're the one who's going to benefit from that. No one else. If you go to hell, you're the one who is going to be the loser and you're the one who's going to suffer for life. No one else. Nobody's going to go to hell as a family. Nobody's going to say, oh, well, my dad is in hell. I'm going to be in hell too. We know. No. Hell is a place of torment, a place of bitterness, a place of pain, a place. If you see depression here, that's like depression times infinity, anxiety times infinity. Pain times infinity. You cannot put into words what hell is, how miserable it is. Never gamble with your life. Because you won't know what next minute holds for you. You won't know. Once it's over, it's over. No, no way to come back. No matter how you cry, hell is the place with people full of regrets. Oh, someone told me, I didn't respond. Oh, I didn't respond. I didn't respond. Now burning. Pain. Hell is a place where you can see, you can see the people in heaven who are happy. You know how miserable that is? Hell is never meant for human beings. God did never meant it for human beings because he loves us. We are in his image, but people have chosen hell. They have rejected the way, the truth, and the life. Look at this. In this man, in verse 18, he's telling to the good teacher, this. Which ones, Lord? I mean, he had enough knowledge to say that this teacher is good, but now he's trying to play smart. Which ones? Which commandments? Which commandments? And Jesus said, you know how patiently Jesus is answering? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus is spelling the commandments out, the things that one must do here. Now the last one he says here is, 
love your neighbor as yourself. That is something most people don't do. The neighbor that Christ talks about here, he's not saying, well, you need to go love Syria over there, go love Lebanon over there, people, you know, go love Damascus over there. No. The neighbor he's talking about is your wife, your spouse, your mother, your father, your children, your family, the house of God, the people of God, love the people in Israel. He's talking about his own people here. That's where it has to show. And Jesus says the same thing. He looks at his disciples and he says, people will know that you belong to me by your love for one another. It talks about believers. And he's telling him how, how to love. Love your neighbor as your own self. That's where sacrifice comes into play. Like your own self. Jesus takes it one step further. He says, you love your fellow believer just like how I, he's talking about Jesus, how Jesus loves us. That's even higher. So somebody says, well, New Testament is off the hook of all the commandments in the Old Testament. Well, I don't do anything. Well, news for you. Read your Bible because that's not true. The standard of New Testament is higher than that of the Old Testament because we have Jesus Christ and his blood and we have the Holy Spirit to help us, to empower us, to hate everything that is bad for us. Let me tell you this way. To help you understand as the Holy Spirit wants me to. Now you look at your grandma, your grandpa, your great-grandfathers and all those people who didn't know how to identify what is good and what is bad, but they knew. Well, this plant we can cook, that plant is poisonous. These items are food and these items are non-food. So based on that, they cooked. And knowledge was given to them in order to stay healthy, to eat right. And then time progressed where more corruption came in, where more non-food items were mixed there. And now we also have information on what is there where you can read the labels where they didn't have to. Now the labels are given, you need to read and you need to take yourself out of poisonous environments. Now you know about carbon monoxide. You know about toxic gas. You know about heavy metals. You know about things that can harm your body. Where a lot of people before didn't know. But then again, they didn't have the pollution that we have right now. The Old Testament, New Testament is like that. You have God giving enough instruction, enough knowledge for that situation. That worked for them. But in our day, after Jesus came, God has given us the Bible in our hands. Where all the ingredients that should not be there is listed there. Well, what is good for you that you need to know and you need to consume is listed there as well. We need to be careful and we need to care enough to read that and to avoid the list of stuff that is not good for us. And take that as good for us. Then we'll benefit, then we'll prosper, we'll live. So in the New Testament, Jesus Christ lays down things 
that are way more important because now, you know, we have technology. And we can order online. We can actually shop for things that are healthy. We can do things that are good for our soul. We can avoid things. We can do what is good for us. So, if you harm yourself, when you look at yourself, you know you did it to yourself. Jesus Christ is giving the commandments here. He says, love your neighbor or love your fellow believer just like how I have loved. You know why? For us, we've been given the Spirit of Christ. Through His power being connected to Him, we can love. We have the power. We have the capacity to love our fellow believer just like how Jesus loves us. Because we can. In the Old Testament, you love your neighbor as yourself because that's what you can do. But in the New Testament, you have a greater power. You have the power of Christ. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives you supernatural power to lay down your life just like how Jesus did. So, you're expected to make use of that and to show Jesus to this world so that others can benefit from you just like how you benefit from the sacrifice of Jesus. So Jesus says this over here. These are the things you should do. And verse 20 says this. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth. So there was a point in his life where he decided, I am going to really follow God, which is a good thing. This is not a bad person. This is a good person. He wanted to do the right thing, and he was not living like other people. He honored his father and mother, and he didn't commit adultery. He didn't do, you know, bad things. And and the most important thing that a lot of people will really have a problem with when they are self-centered and things like that is they will not love people the way they love themselves. But this guy has done even that. All these things he kept. Jesus never said, well... Out of these things that we see, you, you know, I have a problem with this one because you didn't keep it right. No, he did. He really kept all these things. Well, you know what Jesus could have done? He could have said, good for you. You answered your question. Heaven is for you. You can go to heaven. That's the truth. According to Jesus' answer here, he's a good candidate for heaven. He will go to heaven. Absolutely, yes. He's not going to go to hell. He's going to go to heaven. He did what God had told him to do in the Old Testament. He did everything. Very well he did. No mistakes in those things. This is an uh, example uh, for those who have the desire to follow God and they will come to a certain point in doing everything. So he did everything. The way that God had called the people in the Old Testament to do, follow the Ten Commandments and he did them all well. Here's an example, besides Elizabeth and Zechariah, besides Joshua and Caleb, and among all the people who perfectly kept the commandments of God, here's a young man who kept God's commandments really well. So now, because he really did well, Jesus wanted to bless him even more. He can go to heaven. He can really go to heaven. But Jesus had this desire. I want him to get more. I want him to increase. I want him to experience even more. Because he has a thirst. 
So Jesus goes one step further and he is telling him of something that he did not ask for. Jesus wants to give him something more. So Jesus said to him in verse 21, let's read this. He said to him, if you want to be perfect, that's not what he asked. He wanted to know if he'll go to heaven. That seat is reserved. He's qualified. And as long as he lives like this till the day he dies, he is fine. He'll be in heaven. Jesus wanted him to have the best seat in heaven. So he's saying this. If you want to be perfect, underline the word perfect, please. Do it. If someone says, well, you can't be perfect. Put them under the group of people who propagate lies. Jesus said this, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. If you're a child of God, if you have the Spirit of Christ, if you claim to be a believer, you understand this, that this man, this rich young ruler, according to Jesus Christ, was encouraged to move on to perfection. He was encouraged to move on to perfection, to move further. God is calling all of us to go on towards perfection because you can begin a race, you can run, and halfway, you can say, well, I feel tired, I don't want to go anymore. And then, what, what can happen? You will just sit right there and the race will be over. Someone else will take your place. That means someone else will be standing on that victory stand where you should have. That you were not able to because you chose not to because you didn't continue to run. So there are a lot of people who begin the race. Apostle Paul says this, not everybody gets the crown. And he says, run so that you can obtain the crown. Our thinking and our eyesight, our vision, everything has to be upward, not downwards. Because God has called us for a heavenly walk with a high call. And we need to respond to that call of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be perfect, because that's something God is calling us, be perfect. Because you can. He says, do this. So, Jesus is giving him something to do in order to become perfect. Now, this is not something that Jesus is telling everybody to do. Because every single person has a different area that God would, God will deal with in order to lead them into perfection. For this man, this was the area that Christ had to touch and, and talk to him about in order for him to move on to perfection. So he came up to a point, he ran up to a point, do you know what? He was not willing to run further. We need to understand this as God is speaking to our hearts this hour. God has called each one of us to go from one place to the other. God has called each one of us to move forward, move forward, move forward. In a race, there's always moving forward. Nobody can run forward and then then say, let me try 
I want to run backwards. Remember, if you're going on a highway and it's a single road, you can have like all maybe five lanes there. But this highway goes in one direction. And you're going and all of a sudden you feel, well, right now I don't feel like driving forward. So, I'm changing my mind and let me put reverse. What will happen? Think about it, what will happen? What will happen when you're driving forward and decide to put reverse? You gear on reverse, what will happen? I mean, you all know the answer to that. End up in hell, basically. You kill yourself and kill others. Many times, many people do that. They say, well, I don't feel like I should do this today. So what they do? They take backward steps. Not realizing that what they're doing is going to affect them and others around them. Understand. Whatever sin you do is never going to just affect you. It'll affect those around you. Unless you're living in some island all by yourself. Only birds and animals are there. Even then, human beings, if they're corrupt, they can corrupt everything around. Understand this. Old Testament, Jesus, God says this. Those who are defiled, if they touch anything, all those things become defiled. If you take backward steps, it'll not only affect you, it'll affect everyone around you. God is speaking to hearts today. Be determined that this year I will not take a step forward. I want to run forward, run forward, keep running. I don't want to stop. You know why? Because you have Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of your race. If you depend on Him, He'll keep you going. He'll keep you going. He's not someone who will just stand by your side and keep cheering, saying that, good, 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 keep going, keep going, keep going. That's good. We need, we all need that. But you know what? He's someone who will cheer you on and also will move you forward. He has the power. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So uh, the race that we're running in our Christian life is powered by Christ. Not self-powered. Your race in your journey is not self-driven. It's Christ-driven, Christ-powered. Imagine if you have Christ's power, powered by Christ, how should it be running? You'll be running with no stopping. And that's when you come to the end, the end of your life. You close your eyes in the presence of God. You open your eyes in the presence of God. Done on this side. Your life continues on the other side. God wants us to keep moving. Moving from where we are to where God wants us to be in our race on earth. Now, Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. Now, this come and follow me is a call for every single one here. Go sell what you have, give to the poor, you have treasures in heaven is part of the cross where you will have to sacrifice in order to get what the Lord has for you. And there is a great reward in exchange for what you sacrifice. But for this man, money was his idol. Whatever is a stronghold, God will deal with you. This was not, having money was not a sinful thing. If you're in presumptuous sin, you must get rid of it, not tomorrow, right now. 
Because with that, if you close your eyes today, you'll end up in hell, according to God's word. Ten commandments you need to keep if you need to go to heaven. Remember that. And you cannot keep ten commandments if you don't have faith in Christ. If you don't have faith in the living God. With faith you do. And your faith saves you. And your obedience to the commandments of Christ is a proof that you have faith. Working faith. Understand that. Without faith you're doing is never going to be done right. That means you're never going to be able to keep the commandments if you don't have faith. So only those who have real faith will be able to keep the commandments. Because to love your neighbor as yourself, you need to put self to death. And only if you have faith in God and have God's power working in you, can you keep that commandment. So in the Old Testament period, in the lives of people who were faithful to God, God's Spirit was working in them. That's why. In Joseph's life, you see, he had the Spirit of God. People around him knew that he had a different spirit. Daniel, he had the Spirit of God. People around him knew that he had a different spirit. You see, Noah, you see, Elijah, you see, Elisha, you see, so many of the people, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they all had the Spirit of God. You see how Elizabeth prophesied. You see how they had the Spirit of God in them. It was the Spirit of God that empowered them to keep the commandments of God. What kind of spirit do you have? Your actions will show. Jesus said this, a good tree will bear good fruit. A bad tree will bear bad fruit. Very simple. Jesus laid it so simple. Nothing complicated. So, for this man, even though he kept all these things, there's something more. God wanted to bless. And he said, you want to give this up and you follow me and then you're going to have treasures in heaven. Out of the whole verse over here, you know, which is the most important thing. Follow me. Oh my goodness. Look at that. This is the good teacher that is calling me to follow him. You know what a privilege that is. When you're working somewhere and you get a call saying that, take a day off today. The president wants to have a dinner with you. What will you do? We say that, well, uh, I can't take a day off and uh, um, I only have a few days, you know, that I have left in the bank and will you give excuses like that? No. I mean, someone who does not value that, you know, who's ignorant of who the president is and what the White House is, you can't speak like that. Only those people speak like that. But if you know who is calling you, if you know the worth of the call, you're just not going to care whether you get the leave from your boss or not. You're going. That's it. Good teacher equals God here. According to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He only said, why did you call me good? And he gave the explanation for that. He never said, from no one do not call me good because I'm not God. That's not what Jesus said. You know, some cults try to use these verses to say that, oh, Jesus is not God. Even he himself said that. We need to really read the scriptures through the lens of the Holy Spirit. Then you won't fall into any false traps. Now, uh, next uh, call that came from God Almighty to him to say, follow me. You know how many people want to follow Jesus and Jesus said no to them? For Christ to call us, you know, what a big deal that is. 
for us to be allowed to even follow him, you know what a big deal that is. And that call is coming to this rich young ruler. Saying that just leave everything. He doesn't say that, well, have someone else take care of it and you come, you know, let's just go for some time. Just follow me, you'll see how I deal with people and you can learn something and go back. No. There's a definite determination, a decision that one has to make to decide what they're going to follow, who they're going to follow. So, in order for him to completely part with it, Jesus says this. Some people don't have to be told like Elisha. As soon as Elijah came and put his mantle on him the first time, Elisha understood the call and immediately he went and closed his business and made a feast with what he had and followed Elijah. Never looked back. He had nothing to go to. He just dismantled everything. He had enough wisdom to recognize that. But for this man, Jesus spells it out and he says, do this and then come and follow me. He's also saying something important here. Do this when you go and give this to the poor. God will reward you for that. And also for forsaking everything and following Jesus, there's a great reward in heaven, treasures in heaven. You know why? It's not just because you gave some money to the poor or gave your stuff to the poor. The treasures in heaven, you have a part where you gave your stuff to people, you definitely get. A heavenly reward. But there's much more than that. When you follow Christ, the day you begin following Christ, and whatever you're going to do to Christ, unto Christ, there's a far greater reward that translates even more than what you can do to the poor. There's a big difference there. What you give to the poor is good. You're lending to the maker. But when you're directly following Christ and doing what God has called you to do, that translates into something far eternal. Because whatever you do on earth, you know, you can give them some food, they eat the food, and what happens after that? That's it. It sustains them for that time. That's it. But if you give someone the gospel, if you bring someone to Christ, now, that is something that's going to last forever. That message that you gave and the salvation that took place, and if that it is a genuine salvation, that person is going to begin to bear fruit. And that fruit is going to credit, be credited to that person and to you also because you led them and you made that effort and you sowed the seed. Now, like an investor who will sit and take care of other things, but on the side, you keep getting the returns, keep getting the returns, keep getting the returns. These are the great treasures in heaven that Jesus is talking about, which is not written in detail here. Uh, we need to understand definitely what we do monetarily for the poor is a good thing. We will. Whatever we lend to the maker, you know what will happen? He'll give it back to you. That's about it. But if you want a far greater reward that will multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply, then what you do for the kingdom of God is what is going to really give you the greatest dividends, the greatest reward, unending reward that comes from God Almighty. And that's the principle that God shows this man here. Well, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So, he did not go into the call that God had for him. He did not do what Jesus called for him to do. 
which was an opportunity. Is Jesus going to gain anything by this rich young ruler following Jesus? No. It was an opportunity for this man. What did he do? He became so sad. Yeah, there are people who find it so hard. Oh my God, now I have to give up this. Now pastor's talking about this. Oh, I have to throw this out. Oh my God, I can't understand. Well, the pastor's not going to gain everything by you throwing something. You're the one who's going to gain. God keeps his servants to show you the way. To show you how to gain. To teach you how to profit with your life. By doing what God has called you to do so that you can be blessed. Anytime you feel that the commandments of God is burdensome. Oh no, I need to do this now. You're talking about this now and you need to do this now and... I can't watch this, so I can't hear this, so I can't say this, then. Well, you want to benefit? Then you have the wisdom to be happily doing this, saying that, Oh my God, thank you for showing this to me. Now I'm going to jump, take hold of that, and do it, because I see that it will profit my soul. But when the wisdom is not there, what happens? The very thing that's going to bless you, you look at it as if it's a burden. How sad. The very thing that God brings to you to bless you, you look at it as if it's a burden. May God help us never to take the commandments of God as burdensome. Never to take what God is bringing to you as a burden. But to truly delight in the Lord, delight in the things of God. Think that, oh my God, I can't believe today's service went four hours. I mean, nobody in our church says that. Thank God for that. But there are many people who wish, oh, I wish the service is short and then just pastor just prays for people and I just get sick. I mean, I, <laughs> I just get well. I just get some money, maybe marry. Maybe get this for my child, that for my child. Really? Doesn't even happen in the natural world. Nobody becomes a doctor by staying home and playing bingo. Doesn't work that way. Nobody plays lotto every day thinking that every day I play lotto, I am going to get my paycheck and my rent will be paid off, my gas will be paid off, and only people who are off, who are not really living how they should live, will depend on lotto to pay their bills and not go to work. How can we expect to gain anything in the spiritual realm if we don't do what we're supposed to do in order to gain what we need to gain? So take this message that God is bringing to you today. If I need to become what God wants me to become, if I need to get in the call of God that God has for me, then I need to do what God is calling me to do. Then I'll be able to follow Him. Not just come and see, and that's it. You know the beauty of it with Peter, Andrew, the rest of the disciples, Matthew, 
When Jesus said, come, follow me, they left everything and they followed him. They left everything and they followed him. God is asking you this question today. Are you willing to leave what you need to leave in order to get what you should get? God is not calling you to now leave your job and leave your family and go somewhere and sit on top of a mountain and do some meditation for the next 30 days. No. You go before the Lord and you ask Him, Lord, what are the hindrances in my life that I need to leave behind so that I can follow you? So that I can have treasures in heaven? So that whatever I do for you will amount to something substantial. And I don't want to be a person who does, 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 does things here, but at the end have nothing there, little or nothing there, may or may not enter in. That's a very scary place to be in, if we've been going to church all our lives, especially. God speak to our hearts at this hour. Don't be in a place where this man was. Think about your life. At the beginning of this year, God is speaking to us. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you in all things. But you need to give every area of your life to God. The rich young ruler, he gave a portion of his life to God. But a big portion of his life, or the remaining portion of his life, when Jesus said, surrender, he said no. And he was not blessed there. If you want the Lord to bless you, if you want the Lord to bless you in all things, lay aside everything, lay aside everything, lay aside everything that keeps you from drawing near to who? Near to the King of Kings. Not a manager, not a supervisor, not a superintendent, not even a president or a prime minister. To draw to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, lay aside everything that hinders you. That's what God is calling us to lay aside. He's not telling you, well, give up everything, just have one pair of clothing. No, no, no. That's what the devil does to many people there. Oh, you have to live like you cannot have anything. Just have one set of clothing and you wash it and you wear it and, you know, don't eat good food and torture yourself, torment yourself. That's demonic. God wants us to prosper in our spirits and our souls and our bodies and our finances and our marriage in every area. That's what shows that we belong to God. That's what shows that He takes care of us, He feeds us, He provides for us. The way when people see you prosper, when people see you, when people saw Job, when people saw Abraham, they knew that the Father in heaven is taking care of them. That's what Jesus said. Look at the person here. Look at the flowers. Even Solomon didn't have what they have. And I will take care of you. What is he saying? I'll give you all the number one stuff. I'll bless you with everything, which you need to put me as your number one. And those who really put God as number one will not have number two items. They'll have all the first best things that God has reserved for them. Because they have surrendered everything for God. God, speak to your hearts at this hour. Understand the call. Understand the gravity of the call. 
Understand the glory of the call. Understand the price of the call. Answer the call. This man did not answer that call. You don't be one among those who did not answer the call of the king. The call comes from the king. The call comes from the king. May God speak to our hearts on this third day of this new year. In the new month, God is calling us with a high calling. God is calling us to a deeper walk with Him. Whatever is hindering you, it differs from person to person to person. Whatever is hindering you, you know, God knows. The conversation was between this man and Jesus. The conversation was between this man and Jesus. The conversation was between this man and Jesus. You don't see anyone else involved here. The conversation right now is between you and Jesus. No one else is involved here. The conversation right now, God is speaking to you. It's between you and Jesus. What you do with that conversation is between you and Jesus. Understand that. It's between you and Jesus. You answer the call. You just go with him wherever he goes. You will end with him where he is. If you don't answer the call, you can go back and do what you want. But you will not be going where he is going. You will not be getting what he wanted to give you. You would have forfeited everything that Christ offered to you. God is speaking to the hearts of this hour. Whatever God is calling you for. Whatever God is calling you to. Whatever God is calling you from. Answer that call. Never say no to the king. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Never say no to the king. Because the king will pass by. And all those who gave up everything and followed him will also go with him. And the king would reward all those. They'll have treasures in heaven, but those who said no to the king will lament on that day. Oh, why did I say that? Why did I say that? Another 10 years, another 15 years, another 20 years. We don't even know how long this man lived. How sad. He was grieved. Jesus was grieved. But Jesus didn't stop everything after that. The success of Jesus' ministry did not depend on whether this man followed him or not. Because there were others who followed him, who laid down their lives for him. And today we are all here, worshipping Christ as a result of that. Thank you, Jesus. What you decide when the call comes will determine your destiny, will determine 
your eternity will determine how much you'll have in your heavenly bank account or not. Thank you, Jesus. How much you have in your heavenly bank account or not. Thank you, Jesus. Whether you have anything in your heavenly bank account or not. Answer the call of God. He who wins souls is wise. He who turns a man from unrighteousness to righteousness or saves a soul. God says, will shine like the stars of the firmament. Thank you, Jesus. Invest your life into what will <coughs> profit you eternally. Invest your time into what will profit you eternally. Invest your energy into what will profit you eternally. Jesus said this, don't labor for the meat that perisheth. Many people, work is the most important thing. Everything revolves around the work. Church revolves around the work. Doing anything for God revolves around the work. For some people, it's family. What is your idol? What's your idol? People won't calculate how much time they're investing into their idol. Doesn't matter if they work for 20 hours, 12 hours. They won't complain about it. They'll say, yeah, it's a long day, but oh, I'm getting money. They'll do anything for that. For some people, it's family because it gives them happiness. It's all about me, you see. So everything, things of God, revolves around the family. Family time. That is your idol. God is speaking to us at this hour. For some people, it's recreation. That is your idol. You're easily able to put away the things of God because your recreation is more important to you. God is speaking to our hearts today. People are willing to travel and pay money for something that can give them some pleasure. But when it comes to things of God, Jesus is cheaper than golfing. The presence of God is cheaper. Yet they want to get everything from God. They want healing. They'll run to faraway places for boating, for, for recreation, hiking, camping, morning to evening. No complaints about that. They all talk about how they enjoyed everything. For half a day in church. God is speaking to a harsh today. God is putting a finger in different areas and He's calling you out of that for something far greater. To benefit you, not the church, not the pastors, not God, to benefit you. Understand, if God is calling you, it is to benefit you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And it's the mercy of God. God is even calling. It is the mercy of God that God is even revealing these things. It's the mercy of God. It shows how much God 
loves us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. People get saved. They used to be in the bars all night. They used to hang out in the clubs several hours. They get saved after that. They want church to be one hour, one and a half hours. May God have mercy. May God have mercy. Jesus never did a ministry like that. Jesus taught for several hours, healed the people for several hours. And then he said, let's go. Go to the other side. And people went wherever he went and they stayed however long he stayed. May God have mercy on the modern day Christianity and churches that has despised the Savior and has given an offering of sacrifice that is too trivial, cheap and disgusting to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. All week they'll do all kinds of things. Even shopping they'll do three hours. A church is one hour, one and a half hours. Well, most churches have no life anyway. But they'll still go there. Playing church is an abomination to God. May God have mercy. May God have mercy. The true house of God is a place where the Savior is, where you see life, not death, where you see transformations, not tragedies. God is speaking at this hour. Don't be deceived. Thank you, Jesus. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, Jesus said, will enter into heaven. Make sure you know where you're going. Make sure that you've laid up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That you continue to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There's nothing more glorious than serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords by giving yourself as a living sacrifice to Him. That the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart is acceptable to God Almighty. A reasonable service. That your time, your treasure, your talents, your energy should be given to God first. To be given to God first. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you'll bless your people at this hour. As you've spoken this truth through your spirit from the pages of your scripture. I pray that you will continue to magnify your word above every situation in every single person's family in their lives. And no one here, Lord, may forfeit the call of God by holding on to what hinders them from receiving what God has for them. 
May they throw away everything that hinders them from receiving the best that God has for them and do themselves a favor by being wise in the sight of God. That they may be blessed on this side of eternity and in the life to come. Thank you, Father, for this third day of fasting and prayer in this month. Two days you gave us the time to be in your presence and we thank you. We're so grateful, Lord. So grateful, so grateful, so grateful. I pray that you will continue to bless your people. Thank you for giving us the time this day to spend in your presence. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to minister to our hearts. Thank you for strengthening me. Giving me the grace though the body is frail. Thank you, Lord. You are not frail. You are not weak. And your strength is being made perfect in all our physical infirmities, which comes as a result of laying down our lives for the sake of whom Christ died for. And thank you, Lord, for coming through one more time giving the truth to your people, the truth that can set them free. Giving the truth to your people, the truth that can devour all the lies of the enemy. Lord, I pray that you will bless your people. Draw each and every single person closer to the living God. That they may stay away from every wolf that will come in sheep's clothing. May people know the scriptures, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. May this church be a church that knows the word from cover to cover. That they may not fall as a prey to the wolf and to the lion that comes in sheep's clothing. That they may know the truth. That they may stay away from error. That they may live to do the will of God and bring joy to the heart of the Father. So I bless them, O Lord, with this blessing that you alone can bless them with. As a servant standing in the presence of God, before the throne of God, according to the power and authority given to me by the Almighty God, I bless your people with this blessing that you want to bless them with. That they may Remove everything that hinders them so that they can bless everything that you have for them. You can bless everything. Bless them with everything you have for them, O God. According to the promise of this year, they may be blessed in every area of their lives. So I pray that you cause them to surrender in every area. Never be like this rich young ruler who held on to that one area that God said. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, once again for bringing us into this glorious new year. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.